All right. I'll start it Hey, good day. My name is Phil DeCruz. Welcome to Cruising with Phil. New episode. My special guest, my first time having an artist, photographer, composer, songwriter, and HIV oh, activist. Activist, big time activist as well. Justin Anatuan. Got it right? Anatuan. Anatuan. Pretty good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Justin? Thanks okay. for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's great. So let's tell who you are and what you're all about. Yeah, so um, my name is Justin Antoine, and I'm a very gay, very Asian, very HIV positive, but very proud uh, person, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm a singer. Uh, as I said, uh, I also work with Asian Community Aid Services as an HIV self-testing uh, educator. Uh, so that's my role at ACAS. I've done other things with them too. Like I've done law photography. We, I just had my first exhibit that was hosted by ACAS um, oh, nice. about two or three weeks ago. And it was with another queer Asian artist named Chris Lau. And it was for this, uh, actually, it's, uh, it was always in partnership with this organization called Where Love is Legal, which sells uh, LGBTQ photo stories. So um, yeah, I mean, that's what I do. I also work overseas quite a bit. Uh, I've worked in Gambia. Uh, in Jamaica, in Kenya, uh, as a photographer, as a photo journalist, as an HIV activist, as a teacher of the deaf, as a, um, I've been a music teacher there as well, uh, different places. So yeah, my life's been kind of um, uh, interesting. I've been a lot of different places, I had a lot of different jobs. I've been to school four different times. And so, yeah, I mean, well, post-secondary education four different times. So I'm kind of, I feel like my... Um, my life is a little bit of a mishmash of uh, a mishmash of um, things that really don't go together, but somehow make my life great. And I love that in my life, despite how um, despite how uh, different it is. I guess, yeah. Are you are you are you from Toronto originally, or born in Toronto, or raised in Toronto? Well, I uh, I was born here in Toronto, but I'm the I'm the I'm the son of, of immigrant parents. My dad's from Thailand, and my mom is from China, uh, from Hong Kong. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. I love like, your variety of all the things you've done yeah. in your life. Kind of complements each other in a way, right? One thing goes to the other and back and forth, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I, I like being I like being a um. I'm not going to say it not on your program. I have words nice. for myself. You're, hey, you're in, it, you're I like I like being a your interview. Oh your God, interview. I don't say whatever you want. I, I call. I call. Well, no, I'm not gonna say it. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna say mixed blank Asian. <laughs> but yeah, because I mean, it's interesting. Because I mean, if you look at my parents, right? My mom is like light skinned. Yeah. Uh, my dad's darker skinned, right? And so well, uh, it's really funny mom, because yeah. my brother That's Adrian and Tyler. No, no, yeah. my, me and my brother Adrian, we have dark skin, and yeah. my brother Tyler has light skin. And so I've always loved that dynamic. But I've always loved the color of my skin. I love that. Um, I can like not. Completely yeah, like easily burned, you know. But yeah, I love my, mom, my skin color, especially yeah, in my mom, summer. My, my um, mom's Irish, think, right? Sorry, yeah, my mom's my mom's Irish. She's white. My mom's white. She's Irish. Oh, okay. Yeah, she like red hair, hazel eyes. I'm the lightest one of the family, like you. Okay, yeah. So my brother's the darkest. My sister's act, and then I come after that. So I'm the only one in the family has brown and green eyes in the whole family. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. Mature. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So I was gonna. I like. I saw your your uh, your uh, your. Uh, your show there i just saw some of the pictures they're amazing you know just like uh thank you i love how each tells a story you know it's really funny i was thinking when i saw your show the other day i was looking at the inside i said you know if this was back in the 80s when the whole aids was starting the whole you know the the, the prejudice this would not even be allowed uh -huh. to show it in public you know what i mean 
like now uh, how many years different 30 years difference you know like what you show right now would not be allowed to be shown back in public back then you know it was unheard of and now yeah. it's not like your stories you know it's just to me where do you um where do you get the inspiration for the photography because i like your photography a lot just the uh, detail and all um where do i get my inspiration i get my inspiration from the people i photograph and that's where i get the inspiration right because my photographs would not exist it had not been for the vulnerability of people who want to actually be in front of the camera right and basically whenever i do a photograph i'm always inspired by the by the person like for example even in my fashion photography i never really make it about the clothes because again um i mean if i could i'd probably just walk around naked all the time i just i, I realize you know um <laughs> Because, I mean, actually, would I? Yeah, if it was socially acceptable. Because it's nice, like, because the thing is, like, I feel like sometimes as, as much as, like, uh, fashion is, um, you know, you know, so, okay, sorry, I got, I got to put this together, okay? Why I'm talking about fashion, because I'm a fashion photographer, okay? That's why I'm talking about what draws me inspiration. So I'm not just going, you know, in things, right? But I'm talking about specific about fashion. Um, but basically, I'm always, because I'm more of a photojournalist, like I'm always focusing on people. So for example, when I'm doing fashion, like most of my stories have something to do with like, they might be wearing something, but what's more paramount is the story that they want to tell. So I've had fashion models like do shoots with me where they, like LGBTQ models, for example, who will dress themselves in clothes that kind of represent their identity. And then I will photograph them and get their story. I have a photographer that, that, that thinks in my head, oh, I'm going to put this close together and make an image uh, that has, that's just visually, um, that's visually beautiful. I mean, the visual beauty of an image is, is important, but, but what's more important is that there's a soul in the image. And I find that's important, that human element. So, yeah, so I guess, yeah, that's what I'm inspired by. I'm inspired by humans. I'm inspired by their stories. Um, but then if I did have to, like, talk about an influence I do have. I love Peter Lindbergh. He's always been my, if, if you look at my photography, a lot of my work is very reminiscent, I would say, of Peter Lindbergh. And, and I'll have to say that because I can't just like, you know, I brought, because it's interesting because for me, Peter Lindbergh, his soul matches with mine, right? I'm a person who loves things raw, including sex. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I'll edit that part. <laughs> no, no, I mean, well, I mean, no, no, no. I mean, hey, if if the hey, if, you, yeah. if the other person feels safe, if you feel safe with the other person, and also I'm undetectable, right? So, um, HIV, right? Like, so you equals you, right? I've had I've had men who I've slept with and like you know without condom, but um, they were um tested, and I was tested, and we both knew our statuses in terms of STIs and things like that. And so, you know, if you, I I do believe like. I feel like there's a lot of stigma against people who do engage in bareback sex. And I think like I used to have that in my head. Um, and ironically, before I became HV positive. Um, but, uh, you know, anyways, I got to go back to what I was saying. But anyways, uh, Peter Lindbergh, like he's he has a very raw kind of um, a very raw style. You know, he doesn't do a lot of retouching. Like when I do retouching, I do very little retouching. Because, again, what I what I love is, is when you can see the people's skin textures because that's what tells the story of a person so that's the one thing I hate because I'll, I, I work with models so unfortunately I'm kind of like forced to retouch things like pimples and stuff like that but if it was my choice I completely not even retouch that at all right but unfortunately um, I work with models who need these sort of portfolios and they're going to an industry with that you know so if I take pictures of them, don't retouch it. It's not good for the portfolio, right? And so there's always that balance. Um, 
but even when I do photo shoots with models, right? Like when I get my new faces, I'm always making sure I, I, I train them. I love training them. I love talking to them about the business because um, the fashion industry is shitty and it exploits models. So nowadays I always, I always warn them, you know, if you go into the fashion industry, this is what you're going to look out for. And it's a lot, especially South Sudanese refugee models are being exploited like crazy by the fashion industry. But anyways, by answering your question, yes. Um, I get inspired by people in my photography. That's what I'm going to say. Sorry, that was a very long-winded question. No, no, no. You're <laughs> I mean, answer, about, answer, love, answer. Sorry. I love the detail and all. Yeah. I like what you're like. Just about yeah. soul, like your photography, your pictures. That's first thing I saw was the I saw the man in each in each individual you photographed, right? Say your soul. I call the soul humanity. Yeah, humanity coming to full full beauty, right? You know. So uh, exactly. I love that. Yeah, it's my uh, my niece is a photographer, but she does like uh, she works for a company does you know like models, and she told me the same thing. The uh, modeling industry is like just toxic in some ways. Well, you've seen yourself, right? You know. Oh yeah, I worked as a model scout, so I I don't I don't work as a model scout anymore per se. Like I, I would consider myself a retired model scout, so I work mostly with South Sudanese refugee models, right? And when I got when I was in Kenya, I thought I could be a model scout. I thought I was helping. These uh, refugees who I would find at, at the Akakuma and help them become models. And um, like I would mentor them. They would live in my house. I would teach them photography. I'd teach them how to walk. They lived in my house. They became like my own kids. But the thing that always got me so upset was the fact that um, when they got into the business and they went overseas, I couldn't protect them because I'm not the person in charge of what's going on. I can't like tell these agencies what to do, unfortunately. Right. And how these brands work in terms of who they're going to cast and what they're going to do. And they a lot of them got exploited, like really badly exploited to the point that like uh, like I we ended up just agreeing like um, three of them, actually. Actually, well, one of them was my scouted model that I scouted, but then two of them were just kids like refugee models that I just adopted. So they, I wasn't make, I wasn't like their scout, but they just kind of became part of my family in Kenya. But. If, if what actually ended up happening was they all kind of basically said fuck you to modeling and i basically ended up uh helping them go to germany instead to become refugees where they are now wow and that's how bad it got like um how bad it got with this industry that i i'm so angry at this industry that now i'd rather help these models like not even succeed in this industry anymore but just use like to even just use um modeling as a way to get into Europe and get out of Kenya because the situation these models go through and refugees in Kenya is horrifying. I've been to Kuma refugee camp. I've seen how the Kenyan police and the, and the soldiers treat them. So any way I can get any of these models out of Kenya, out of the refugee camp and into Europe, um, I'm going to do it, you know, because I, I've given up basically on believing uh, that this industry actually helps these refugees because it really doesn't. I mean, I'm lucky that um, I have another model who I haven't had to send to um, to Germany. And this is why he's making money. He just happens to have one of those looks where he makes a lot of money and he's doing fine. But that's how it should be like for every single fucking refugee. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I mean, ah, sorry, not every well, fucking... What you mean? Can you please beep that out? No, no, please beep ask... that out. I, I, I'm very you know, passionate and I just sweep no, things what up. I like, what I like, what I like about every refugee. Is... Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, but anyways, but yeah, like, I mean, no, no, like, I mean, because you know what's really annoying to me? These mo these modeling agencies in Europe, they basically kind of make it seem these, like, refugees are like, uh, you know, oh, they're so bad because they're they're being criminals. And, and again, like, the, 
they're trying to like uh just get into the country it's again the stereotype of africans being like um you know sneaky and um and, and going against the law well the thing is this is the thing if they're working for your modeling agency for six months and you're treating them like a slave and they make no money and you're and you're literally making the work for free like i know some models who've booked uh uh, covers of um uh, of magazines and like even an off white campaign and they made no money. No money at all. They they did a, a campaign for off white and made absolutely no money off it because of all the debt they were into their agency, you know. And so these agencies they they make it seem as if they're like the the models of the problem because they want to escape. No, it's your problem because you're exploiting them using them as slaves, yeah. you know. So, but it, but again. Um, it's this whole thing about humanity and what we focus on, right? I mean, think about fashion, right? It's about clothes. Um, do the clothes have a soul? Do the clothes have a brain? Do the clothes um, uh, uh, have any physical needs or or need any self-esteem? No, humans do. Clothes should be made to fit humans. Humans should not be starving. Models should not be starving themselves to fit into clothes. Talk about the, uh... and I don't care about these... Uh, Huh? Oh, sorry, go ahead. And then these friggin' fashion brands, like they try to be like um diverse, right? Like, I don't know, they're starting to put curve models, but then it's like the curve models they put on are the, all the same. They all have hourglass figures. Like yeah, there, yeah. there are other models who are curvy who have like more box shaped figures or wider shoulders. Like what is, you know, and it's like, and the height thing too annoys me. Like I'm just starting to get so like annoyed with this industry and what it represents to me because it just represents something that's so exclusionary and inhumane. And and, and again, uh, the, 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 these refugee models are are being treated like slaves and, right. and the industry is not not listening. I've even like posted about it on my Instagram talking about it and people aren't listening, you know? That segregation is uh, still there, eh? Ace, Justin, just, sorry. Just oh yeah, I'll tell you what happens. I'll tell you what happens. Yeah. These these European agencies, right? They go to um, they go directly into the refugee camp, and it's like a slave auction. They just find these like young kids who are like 15, 16, and and they like parade them around in a contest. Yeah. But it's more again, it feels like a slave auction, and it's again it's so problematic because it's like a bunch of white people, like a ton of white people, who are basically going into a refugee camp looking for like slave like. Black folks who they're going to turn into slaves in the fashion industry, and unfortunately, these kids, because of what they've been through, they've been through so much, so much trauma. With like, some of them almost became, some of them are like former child soldiers. Some of them are forced into marriages. Like all these kids want to do, these young, 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds, they just want to like help their families out. And so when you, when you like basically go to a refugee camp and, 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 and make it seem as if they're going to get this golden ticket to Europe and make money. And then they go overseas and go to Europe and then they make no money and get exploited. And then they're still, and then you send them back from Paris back to the refugee camp with nothing. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's disgusting. And um, I mean, uh, like I'm slowly basically trying to work on exposing this more. People aren't listening yet, but at some point people will listen. And that's, that's why good. I'm willing to talk about it, but it's, yeah, um, that's good. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It's like your second question, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. What was this interview supposed to be about? Because I feel like I'm completely <laughs> off topic. It's I'm about so you. sorry. Hey, it's your interview. Whatever you want to talk about. No, no, there's no. Okay, cool, yeah, cool. It's yours. No, whatever you're talking about. No, okay. but I find it's the segregation. I find even the segregation year, like even in this, in the well, not just the model, but any kind of ads. You know, you know, some of the whole, like for example, the Black Lives Matter started, right? The whole, you know, scenario, Black Lives Matter. 
Now every commercial you see is a black person on there going camping, hiking, beer drinking. I go like, I got black people in my family. Half all my nephews are black and nieces are black. We make jokes about that. Look, now we got now we're in now we're in commercials suddenly. You know, even like Asians. Remember years ago, <laughs> Asians were the whole thing. Like this was Asian. This they had then they have then they have comedy shows. Here's something funny. They have a we have a comedy show called uh, I forgot something uh it was a Canadian one. And they have one of the mm -hmm. states, and it's so I don't watch it, you know, because I find it so prejudicial and so segregated. Because they have like there's this American Asian uh, comedy show, I forgot what it's called, and it was just yeah. so typical the way they talk as American but with an Asian accent. It's, it's just I find it so insulting watching a show. It's like you're insulting the whole culture of an Asian culture that's beyond what you're showing, you know. Not every Asian talks like that with an American accent with an Asian. Accent. It's just, it's just, yeah. even their, even the scenarios are just like, uh, like I said, typical American propaganda toward the American. But we got a bit of an Asian accent showing uh, how the Asians live in American views. You know, even like here, uh, our our newscast when we have a, a Asian issue or a black news program or an issue, they always put that nationality as a newscaster, right? Like, uh, like yeah, have, yeah, like like some of the Asian, uh, like something going on in the you know in the Philippines there not too long. All of a sudden, the I don't forget her name, Asian reporter. I said, How come you can't put another, not just an Asian reporter? Why did they put? Because I actually called them, I complained. They said, Well, it's more appeasing to the masses if we put somebody that's actually identifies with that category of what the topic is. Like, really? <laughs> that yeah. makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same, like, you know, it's a segregation. You know? I'm glad you're talking about it because I've heard about this before about the exploitation of models, not just from you, from other people. And I'm glad you mentioned that. That's good. So, uh, uh, yeah. You're also a songwriter too. You got a you got a, you got a couple albums, I think. Right? <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting. I, I'm gonna say this. Like, I it's funny because I feel like I, I, I don't know. I, I I hate to call myself a songwriter because I feel like I I a real songwriter is a person who consistently writes songs and is like doing that stuff consistently. But the thing about me is, uh, my energy is a little bit different in terms of how I write music. Basically, it's like I just write when I feel like writing it. For some reason, there are not a lot of times I, I feel like writing songs. I don't know why yet, but I will do more. But I'll tell you um, uh, about, yeah, the songwriting. I mean, because I know I actually I actually recorded a song for um, the AIDS vigil, right? Were yeah. you there? Yeah, I heard one. Yeah, I heard so the it's song. called I'm Still Here. Um, yeah, I love I, it. I'll sing it's a little nice. bit for you so you can hear it. But it went like this. Uh, it went like... um. I'm still here, I'm still here, I'm still here, this I know. Yeah, that's how the song went, but uh, my voice is a little fucked up today, so yeah, because so it didn't sound that good, I know. But um, yeah, like the reason I actually wrote that song was actually, it was for, um, basically, I heard that they were doing um, the AIDS visual and the theme was still here. Um, and I've actually like performed with AIDS Vigil like years ago, uh, doing Born This Way, and I hadn't done it for a while. I was like, I want to try it again. So basically, uh, I heard the theme and I thought, you know, you know what, Justin, let's challenge yourself. Let's actually write a song. And it was just a very random thought, like, let's see if you can do it, Justin. Let's see if you can do it. Um, and it's so funny how the song came about because um, uh, I ended up, uh, I was I was in my bathtub and I was high as shit on weed and uh, mushrooms. And I don't know what happened. I just started like humming the song in my head and it just came to me like when I was high. And I guess 
the way I felt when I was seeing it was it was almost like the souls of all the folks in the past who have died of HIV AIDS um, were like just coming into my soul and okay that sounded bad um we're entering oh my god they were singing with me oh I'm so sorry oh that sounded oh, bad that's great um yeah but uh yeah like I um yeah like and it was just a beautiful experience and um I just remembered um like thinking okay I'm gonna audition audition with this song and um and it was funny because I actually I actually almost didn't audition with that song I almost decided to sing what's this I wanted to sing I almost sang um oh what song was I was the bridge over troubled water or Yeah, I forget what song, but I was actually going to sing another song. Um, then at the last minute, I was like, you know what? No, just go for it. You have nothing to lose. And it ended up being like one of the best performances I'd ever done in my life, basically. Nice. Like the best, probably. And the most moving and the most meaningful thing I'd ever done. Like, Because, I mean, literally, I just felt like when, when I was on that stage of the AIDS visual singing, um, I just felt like all these souls were behind me and they were singing with me, you know, and that's a very powerful experience. And for me, it's important to like do that as a as an artist, as an HIV positive artist, is because I know that I have access to drugs in this day and age because of a lot of the sacrifices these activists in the early in the eighties and the nineties, uh, you know, what they were fighting for, right? Hmm. And so it was very meaningful me to, for me to be there because I was at a memorial where you know it was just like, yeah, they were just their souls were all there, right? And um, yeah and so um but yeah again like talking about songwriting right I think it's like the inspiration coming with the photography right for me with the songwriting I just don't really sing until an inspiration comes to me right and I guess for me because songwriting is something I'm not really that great at I don't think um I'm very simple in my in my songwriting too like I often have just words that repeat you know and I think a lot of people would maybe see that as a little bit um con contrite i guess or you know hey, too Justin, simplistic Justin, yeah i'm gonna just go back after you sang that song on stage at the vigil how did it feel after singing that song that all those souls behind you how did it feel after you finished i cried actually it was like a release of emotion like i actually went uh, my friend aaron was there who was a who's a very beautiful person she's actually a, a breast cancer survivor she's held me and has sobbed it was a release of emotion, I think, because again, I felt, I just felt all the pain of everyone there and the, and the suffering people gone through and just the love too. I think that was the thing that was overwhelming, just the overwhelming sense of love um, uh, in that park, you know, and, hey, and also love, love from- Love without discrimination, right? Exactly. And also love for myself, because I think one of the things I've, I've had a very difficult time doing is um, learning to love myself. Like- I have had a lot of issues in my life. Like um, I have borderline personality disorder, um, ADHD. I'm recovering from uh, eating disorder, uh, exercise bulimia, um, shit ton of trauma. I've recovered from OCD, um, you know, getting HIV also like, you know, a lot of traumatic experiences overseas. Like, you know, there's one time, um, I was in the marketplace in Jamaica and I was robbed at knife point um, in, in Kenya. One time this person like drugged me and stole my laptop and computer and camera. You know, this has been a lot of stuff. Right. And it all adds up in your mind instead of the trauma and the pain. And, and I've had a lot of pain in my life. 
you know, also being gay, being Christian too, and, and going through the, a lot of the self-hate. And I felt like when I was on that stage, it was like, I, I didn't realize it, but I, that song was also for myself that I'm still here because, um, because basically when I wrote that song, it was actually at a point in my life where I was just, I'm on a path of healing. And I feel like I'm on the path now. But when at that point, like two or uh, was it two months ago now? Holy shit. Uh, there was a, I was just the beginning. Yeah, two, yeah, two months ago. Two, yeah, two oh, months ago. Two, I was yeah. just the beginning of, of a very painful um, healing process. And I think at that point, I, I was just at the tip. I think because uh, because like the month before that, even, I think I'd like done a trip on LSD, which kind of opened my mind to a few things. And then... <laughs> you know, everything just kind of just kept on snowballing to, to a point where something happened uh, recently um, where I just kind of completely broke down and I guess just felt like kind of access my inner child, I guess, and that healing. And ever since then, um, yeah, I've been in a very painful but beautiful process of healing. But Again, when I was singing that song, it was for me too, because despite all the shit I've kind of gone through and, and you know, there's many times I haven't wanted to live, you know, even as early, like even as much as like two weeks ago, I was like let wanting me, to kill let myself. Me, let, me, let me interrupt you. Let me ask you. No, let me interrupt. Sorry, interrupting you. So everything you've just been through, well, all stuff you just mentioned and everything in the interview. Yeah. So my question is, what keeps you going? You're still going. I mean, here you are, a positive guy talking to me with a great story. And yeah. But what keeps you going? You, most people would want to give up. Everything you do, you would just feel like you want to give up. Just keep keep going. What yeah. keeps you going? I'm curious. What, what keeps, keeps me going? What gives you that strength is, to just go on? And, yeah, just continue on. It's amazing. Yeah. So I would say what it is, is um the strength that keeps me going is, I guess, just being empathetic towards the suffering of other people. You know what I mean? Because, um, because the thing is, is that... Um, I know there are a lot of people out there in the world who are really suffering. Like, um, uh, like every, like on the street every day I meet, like I've met, I think I've met like three people who are unhoused on the street in the last two weeks who are like dying of cancer. And that's really fucked up. Yeah. That's extremely fucked up. Um, uh, because again, in this healing process now, I've, I've actually even started praying with random people, you know, who I, feel need a prayer and sometimes ask and you want to say a prayer and they sometimes they do and often a lot of these folks are unhoused actually um you know and i'll just say a prayer with them and i'll hold their hand and um i feel their pain but i think um in the process of i guess my healing um it's almost like i've kind of entered this state where i'm extremely sensitive now to like a lot of the suffering in the world because I think I have finally kind of come to my own suffering in my life and a lot of like my childhood trauma and so I guess the reason why I keep on going is because I understand that even though I feel pain you know pain is universal and pain is all the same and as human beings um, we can all choose to use that pain and, and be bitter about it and use that pain to hurt others or we can use that pain to heal others and to and to let people see that and like know that they're seen right um, like, for example, you know, um, yeah, I mean, and so that's what keeps me going, I think, just kind of understanding human suffering. Because I'll tell you, for example, like, 
like one of the most com- like one of the most compassionate beautiful moments i ever had in my life was when i was at a, in a kakuma refugee camp and i think i was visiting with one of the my model kids my refugee model kids i think he's in he's in germany now thank god <clears throat> um and he's like basically quit modeling because it's shit anyways but he told he took me to see his uh, i guess his like adoptive grandma so his father died during the war south sudan and this lady um, was his elder, I guess, at the refugee camp who just like to call care of all these like young men who were just like entering the camp from South Sudan. And he was one of them. And I remember like just visiting her, I guess she was in her hut and she had nothing in that hut. And it was like hot as hell in that hut. And all she had was like, I think was a canister of juice and she was sick and just lying there in the heat. And I just went up to her and, and she just took my hand. I didn't know what she was doing, but she started saying a prayer in Dinka or something um, for me. And it just touched me so much that I was in this place where people were starving and sick and there was so much like hopelessness, but at the same time, a lot of love. And the fact that this woman who had helped so many of these young refugee men um, was willing just to, hold my hand a total stranger and pray for me i should have been the one freaking praying for her <laughs> i mean you know but but that's and again but i mean her prayer helped me because at the point when i was at, at that camp i was in pain seeing what i was seeing i was in pain at that time because um kenya was really hard on me like um i've I've had a lot of bad experiences in Kenya, a lot of really bad experiences. Um, being harassed by policemen, being arrested, uh, again, being robbed multiple times. Uh, one time I got involved in a situation where like guns were fired and I almost got killed. Sure. You know, and again, I, uh, it's also my fault because I tend to kind of like put myself in these situations, unfortunately. <laughs> so that's me, but um so to be in Kenya, um, and again, Kenya is a beautiful place, right? I'm not trying to like paint a picture of Kenya as this horrible place, but those are things that have happened to me. And I can't deny that's happened to me, right? And um, Kenya is a beautiful place for beautiful people, but I'll say that the, the way the Kenyan government works in terms of corruption and the policemen, the soldiers, and what they're doing to people there and refugees, it's, it's really awful. Um, and feeling that pain for me was always difficult. So for again, for me to be in that situation where she was just wanting to pray for me, you know, she didn't know I was gay. She didn't know I was HIV positive. But just feeling her love, like without her barely speaking a word to me, you know, just praying for me, you know. Um, but those kind of things keep me going, you know, because I think about, I think about her all the time. I pray for her still all the time, and and and, um. But things like that keep me going because I realize that um, I'm very, 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 very privileged in this life to have what I have. And that's why for me, if, if there's ever a chance for me to help somebody, I'm going to do my, my best to help them. Um, it doesn't matter if it's like this amount of money or that amount of money. I mean, I've also learned to have to kind of like hold back um, because I sometimes overdo it. Um, and again, it's part of borderline personality disorder. People like me, like, an ADHD so we tend to be impulsive and also people with borderline personality disorder we tend to have a very hard time separating our identities from other people so like when other people are suffering it becomes our suffering yeah. and then that's why it's hard for us to keep boundaries and then we give our money away to too many people 
there's this one point where I lost ten thousand dollars trying to help people in Kenya during COVID, or fifteen thousand dollars. Um, and uh, and it just ended up fucking me up. So that's why I have to watch myself. Um, and it's really funny. I actually tithe. I don't go to church, and I fucking hate church, like for the most part, because <laughs> I think like the institution itself is shit. Uh, in terms of how it treats people, um, although there are some good churches, I guess, but just oh, I fucking hate it. But um, I tithe. Like I give her, I give away probably. They always say give away ten percent of your income. I give her around ten to twenty percent of, of my income a month to um, families and friends I know in in in, in South Sudan or Kenya and I feel like that's not even enough still but I do that because I even though it's like and it kind of gets upsetting because I think people I've been really upset when people kind of like telling me I'm doing too much and they kind of like don't trust me and think like you're such an idiot for giving me your money but no it's my money I get to do what I want to do with it you know and if I want to you know but I feel stupid sometimes too because there have been times too where um, I've had people take advantage of my kindness and lie to me oh yeah that Um, happens too yeah Someone actually recently tried to do that. Um, he was trying to, oh, I'm not even going to go into details, but I was pretty pissed <laughs> off. Let's just say I feel like he he lied about, I don't know, I'm not going to go into details, but someone today actually tried tried to get money from me, and then I found out he was actually, um, he'd actually been uh, doing stuff behind my back to me in Kenya, which I wasn't aware of. So oh, I was wow. like, nope. I'm not gonna help you. I can be very kind at times, but you know, when I want to, when I want to be mean and I want to destroy someone, I can. Like these fashion, like British fashion brands and all these fucking agencies who are like exploiting models. Like I'm gonna do everything in my power to destroy them, you know, because they deserve to be destroyed. The people in power just destroy deserve to be fucking destroyed. You know, I'm fucking tired of them. I'm fucking tired of people who who don't well, deserve to have the privilege, have the privilege they yeah, have. Taking advantage of the, me. Taking advantage like of I think I, I honestly think I have too much privilege too. Yeah. And I feel like if you ever have any privilege or whatever, then mm-hmm. it's, I feel like all of us should be doing something to help others. Because just existing causes suffering to this world. I mean, the fact that me and you right now are on video talking is using electricity. We're destroying the the environment. No matter what we do. Yeah. Even like even me driving my car to the grocery station today yeah. was destroying the environment. You know, like yeah. um, it's all little things, eh? <laughs> exactly. So that's you know what I mean. So no matter what, we're going to be causing suffering, no matter what we do. So the thing we got to do then is try to make a, a, to try to negate as much as possible, and we can do it in a very loving way, and that's what love is. Love is what we do to kind of make up for the shitty people we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah because i don't want to just like sorry if i'm interrupting you because i can't no, hear no, 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 you no, no, literally no, no. plugged up but i mean i don't want to be on a soapbox and and, and 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 think and want people to think that i'm trying to say i'm an angel because i'm not i'm actually an asshole when i want to be i'm a really big <laughs> asshole like not a, not even a tight one it's <laughs> 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 funny <laughs> sorry that was funny <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's, but, all it's all cool. It's all cool. Just got about two, two minutes left. Just got about two minutes left there. Do you want to add anything on? Uh, okay. Uh, do you have, any, do you have any, <laughs> anything coming up for yourself? Any presentations or shows coming up? Oh, what do I have? Hey. Um, sorry, one of my coworkers walked in. Um, sorry. Uh, What's coming up for me? Well, I'm just going to do more like HIV self-testing, uh, ed- educational workshops. So, you know, oh, I got to tell my Instagram folks. So my Instagram is at 
Justin underscore Nantuan. So at J-U-S-T-I-N underscore A-N-A-N-T-A-W-A-N. Again, at Justin underscore Nantuan. So that's J-U-S-T-I-N underscore A-N-A-N-T-A-W-A-N. And the good thing, you can like look there for my work and because actually I post there like things that are coming up. So like one of the things that are coming up, uh, I'm going to be kind of doing more HIV self-testing workshops and educational things. I'm also working with uh, a really wonderful friend of mine, um, uh, a deaf woman, uh, a deaf Asian woman named Tina. And she's a very wonderful friend of mine. And we're actually going to be working on some um, uh, videos about HIV self-testing for deaf Asian people and deaf people yeah, in yeah, general, because I feel like we need to reach that population more. You know, so that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. What else am I doing? Um, I'm planning on recording a studio version of I Will Always Love You. Yeah. Oh, cool. I just got a woman left. So what I'm gonna, I'll add your link to the web the video and I'll send it out there and all. And uh, you can do that. So anyways, so do you know Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. When we're done. You, know, you have to say there are heroes born every day. Today, buddy, you're my hero for everything you do, everything you go through. Oh, really? <laughs> you're my, yeah, okay. you are. Seriously. Thank you. So I'm going to say goodbye and we'll talk I'm, again. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. I'm gonna promote. I'll send a copy of it, and I'll add your links to your uh, your website, your Instagram, and everything. And just say thank you so much, Justin. Yeah. Thank you for serving the city and serving the world. Actually, you know, helping people out. Continue what you're doing. Never give. I don't think you ever give up. You're a fighter. And I love it. That's it. You're my hero, man. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. Okay. I'll talk after after the uh, thing. Okay. Okay. I'll just say goodbye for now, and I'll send okay. you a copy. Thanks, Justin, for every for coming on the show.